Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Isn't Jesus wonderful, hey? He really is. And it's a real privilege to be back with you guys here at, uh, at the Lighthouse. Um, I've known Greg for uh, around 25 years. And, uh, and I know he says he doesn't, he doesn't blow my trumpet in our church, but I'm going to blow his trumpet in, in his church, okay? And, uh, and it's really awesome to, uh, to, to have seen the fruit that Greg, Bronwyn, and James and Heidi, who I've also known for about, about 20 years, um, have produced both here in Jersey, in Europe, and also in Africa, in Zimbabwe. And um, uh, let me say, the best is yet to come. God has so much more in store for for them and and for you as a church. And I'm really excited about all God's doing here in Jersey. Isn't it exciting to be going to two different services? That's going to be great. It really is. You know that uh, they say that when a church is 80% full, it stops growing. And, uh, and I've even heard people say when a church is about 60% full, it stops growing. If you think about it, if you go to the movies or the theater, and, uh, and you have to go in and one member of the family has to sit over there and another one has to sit over there, you would think that that was too full. Um, you, you would know that it's a, it's a great movie or a great show that's being put on, but you realize it's, it's too full. And uh, it's always good for us to come into a church building and know that there's empty seats, that there's extra seats, and, uh, and that there's always room for more. And, uh, and certainly God has um, a plan and a purpose for you guys going to two different services. There's going to be new opportunities to serve. There's going to be opportunities to invite new people. And it looks like you've got an exciting term coming up here at, at Lighthouse Church. Why don't you turn with me in your Bible, please, to John chapter 15. And I'm going to read selected verses from John chapter 15. And today we're going to be talking about bearing fruit. John chapter 15, and we're going to read from verse 1 and uh, verse 1 and 2, first of all. Lord, thank you for your word. And we ask that you would, uh, you would encourage us and strengthen us, that you would um, open our eyes to see wondrous things in your word today. Thank you that your word gives us perspective. It gives us hope. It gives us encouragement. It gives us faith and it gives us life. And we pray that that's what we'd experience today. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Go down to verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain or your fruit should abide. 
Now, in the Gospel of John, Jesus reveals himself to us through seven I am statements. And if you think about them, you probably are very aware of them. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am, I am the good shepherd. I am the door. And in this passage, he reveals himself to us as the true vine. In verse 1 and verse 5, he says, I am the true vine. In verse 1, he says, I am the vine. And through these seven I am statements, he shows us his nature, his character, and who he is. Along with these seven I am statements, there's always either a miracle that he performs, and incidentally, Jesus performed seven miracles in the Gospel of John, or there's a teaching that illustrates or demonstrates the fact of who he is. And here he says, I am the vine. Now just think about that phrase, I am. I am is in the present tense. He doesn't say, I was the vine, or I will be the vine. He's not a God of the past. Jesus isn't just uh, in the past. He's not just someone that we read about or we admire from the past and say he was a great teacher or a great leader, and I want to emulate him. He's not, he's not just in our future, and we look forward and we say, one day we're going to be with Jesus in heaven, and it's going to be awesome to see him face to face. But he is here and now. It, he didn't say, I was the vine, or I will be the vine. He's not the I was or the I will be. He's the I am. He's the present tense God. And he wants us to experience him in this way, in the present tense. Jesus is the same, the Bible says, yesterday, today, and forever. And right here in this passage, he paints an analogy between himself being the vine, God being the vine dresser, he says the Father being the vine dresser, and us being the branches. And I'd like to look at three thoughts from this passage today. And the first we see is that he wants us to be fruitful. My first thought is God wants you and I to be fruitful. Look at verse 2. He says in verse 2, more fruit. In verse 5, much fruit. In verse 8, much fruit. And in verse 16, lasting fruit. God wants you and I to be fruitful. And if we go back right to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. I love that. God doesn't want to just add to our lives. He wants to bring multiplication to our lives. One plus one equals two. Okay? Two plus two equals four. Two times two equals four. But multiplication starts to take things to a whole new level. Not just adding things to our lives, but it starts to multiply things. And things just start to grow exponentially in our lives. And that's what he wants us to experience. He wants us to be fruitful. And we see from this passage that fruitfulness does two things. First of all, it says in verse 8, it brings glory to God. God is glorified when there's fruitfulness in our lives and there's fruitfulness in our families, fruitfulness in what we're involved in, in our local church. But also, fruitfulness shows proof of our discipleship. In verse 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. 
I like the way in John chapter 7, Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. It's one thing to say something, it's an entirely different thing to see the result of somebody's life, to see fruitfulness in their life. You know, it's one thing to hear someone talk about marriage and the principles of marriage. It's an entirely different thing to see somebody who's brought uh, the best out of their spouse. To see someone who loves, a husband who loves their wife, a wife who respects her husband, and you see that relationship bearing fruit and much fruit. God wants us to be fruitful, and He wants the fruit to show that we are disciples of Christ. And in the Bible, we see that fruit represents two things. First of all, fruit represents a life that's been changed by an encounter with Jesus and a life that reflects the work of the Spirit in that person's life. Just think about the fruit that obviously we'd all think about is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, one school of thought is that when it talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it's not talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit Himself, but it's talking about how His work in our life is reflected in the fruit that's been produced through our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, self-control. These things in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, the Bible talks about this wonderful fruit, the fruit of the recreated human spirit in touch with walking closely with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit-filled life produces that kind of fruit. And that's the fruit of discipleship. So that's the first kind of fruit. The second kind of fruit that the Bible talks about is fruit as a result of effective ministry. Now, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21 and 22, we see this amazing perspective that Paul gives. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, Greg shared, I, I had cancer a couple of years ago. And the amazing thing what, that, that, that happened when I got cancer and I thought that my time was coming to an end at some point, I, I became aware that I had no fear of death. Because I knew that, um, that for, for me to live is Christ, I can live for Christ, but to die is gain. And a little bit later in the same passage, he, said, he says, if I depart and be with Christ, it's better by far. But I didn't have fear of death. There was no fear. I wasn't concerned about, about dying because I knew I'd go to be with Jesus. Because death is not a full stop in our lives. It's just a comma. It's stepping from one room into another. And we take great comfort from that, that those loved ones who've gone on to be with the Lord, they've just gone from a place maybe of pain or a place of, uh, of whatever they're facing and they've gone into God's presence. It's just awesome. But it continues this passage in verse 22 where it says, uh, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And then he says, but if I'm going to go on living, that means fruitful labor for me. Fruitful labor. And you know, when I was diagnosed with cancer, the two things happened. I realized I had no fear of death. If I, if I died, I'd go to be with Jesus. But the second thing that rose up in my heart was a deep desire to make my life count for Jesus, to make a difference with my life. I realized that, that I had limited time on earth, and we all do. It doesn't matter how long you live, you have limited time. And I wanted my life to count. I wanted my life to produce fruit. I wanted to leave something behind. I wanted to make a significant difference with my life. God wants us to be fruitful. Listen to these passages. Jeremiah 17 verse 8. 
He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. It's talking about a man who puts his trust in God. He, in, even in difficult seasons, he's fruitful. Psalm 1 and verse 3, talking about a man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who walks with the Lord and meditates on his word day and night. It says he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither, and everything he does prospers. He's fruitful, and he bears fruit in season. And that's what God wants. Right from Genesis, right the way through the Bible, we see that God's desire is that we are fruitful in our lives, that we make a significant difference with our lives. And I want to say that this church is bearing much, more, much, and lasting fruit. We need to understand the fruit that's taking place both here and in the nations of the world through the resources that go out from this church. It's been wonderful to walk with you guys and to have a friendship with you guys as a church over the last couple of years. And as I've come, every single time I've seen people grow. I've seen a greater fruitfulness in individuals' lives. I've seen people grow in their relationship with God. And I've seen God add people to the church. And then I saw from just an idea, how, how uh, just a thought, a seed that God placed in the heart of the leadership team of this church, how Leading Lights Network was started. And how those videos are going out and affecting people in various parts of the world. I have friends in Scotland who use the teaching from this church and that's been produced from this church to, uh, to supplement the teaching in their church. I know a guy who's an evangelist. He's not very good at teaching, but he uses teaching from your church in order to develop disciples in his church. Isn't that awesome? That's fruit that's making a significant difference. You know, in Genesis uh, speaking over the different patriarchs. The promise over, over Joseph was this, that Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful branch of a tree that goes over a wall. In other words, he was producing fruit where he was planted, but he was also producing fruit next door in a different place. And this church, I really feel the Lord wants to encourage you that you are a fruitful church. A church that's planted, but a church that's not just producing fruit here in Jersey, but is making a difference elsewhere. God's called us to be witnesses for Christ in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Not just progressive, but all those places at the same time. And you are certainly being that as a church. So God wants us to be fruitful. The second thing I want you to see from this passage is that pruning is required for fruitfulness. If we're going to see more fruit in our lives, there needs to be times of pruning. In verse 2 it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. You know, sometimes we only see our perspective, we don't see God's perspective on what's happening in our lives and around us. We have to understand that he who has begun a good work in us will bring it to completion. He is the author and finisher of our faith. And we need to trust him at the beginning and at the end and, and all the way in between. We need to put our trust in him that he knows what he's doing. He's not taken by surprise. And there's times when, when things adjust around us and we need to ask God to give us his perspective. We don't understand, but we know that we can trust him. 
So sometimes He will take away things and he will, he will remove things in our lives that are not bearing fruit. But then he continues and he says, Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. So no fruit, he eliminates it. Not in a, in a, in a, in a decisive sense, but he sometimes takes those things away. And you know, there's situations that sometimes take place in our lives. And we say, well, there's just be no fruit in that area in my life. And somehow we've got to trust that God will take that out of our lives so we can move on. But the areas where there has been fruit, what does he do? He wants to prune it or prune us so that it will bear more fruit. And that often is where we don't see that eliminated in our lives, but there's a season of evaluation. Going before the Lord in prayer. Now it's been wonderful that, uh, that there's been growth in this church. And I know over the summer numbers go down and there's certain weekends you don't have everybody there. But I want to say that, uh, that just in that season of growth, there's got to be a time of going before the Lord and the Lord saying, let's make adjustments. Let's prune. Let's see things take place. Let, let me lead you and guide you. You know, he's the one who prunes, but what does he use as he's pruning shears in our lives? What does he use to begin to prune in our lives? Well, he uses his word as we spend time with him. He uses people that he's placed in our lives, and he uses circumstances in order to prune us. So, if there's fruit, there needs to be pruning. Why? So that it can bear more fruit. Now, the interesting thing about pruning is this. Pruning is the one of the most important factors in producing of grapes. Now, does anybody here, is anyone here involved in any way in, uh, in pruning? Whether it's pruning grapevines or pruning roses or pruning whatever. Any, anyone involved in that? Okay, nobody. So I can tell you anything I like and you'll believe me. No, not quite, all right? But uh, I, I haven't done a lot of that. But I've just read a little bit on Google. And I've met some people who have been involved in, uh, in, in reproduction of grapes. A farmer in Zimbabwe who had a, a vineyard. And I was quite amazed. I really was. You know, it takes a, a while for, from planting of a vineyard to producing its full crop. There's a process of time that takes place. In the first year, there's no fruit. And for a, a vineyard to produce fruit, pruning is an important thing that needs to take place. It needs to take place at least once a year. And in the pruning process, they begin to cut back. They cut back on the plant. And, uh, and God uses people and circumstances. He uses His Word to cut back areas in our lives. And you know, in that pruning process, what begins to happen is it's cut back quite considerably. In fact, they say that to, you need to prune off about 70% of the plant in order for it to produce the best possible crop. Have you ever found in your life that you just feel like sometimes God is just pruning areas in my life? This feels like the headlights, you know, the, 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 the lights on in my life and He's beginning to work on things and it's painful and it's difficult and it's challenging. You know, if you, if you say, Lord, teach me patience, he's going to make sure you encuse circumstances. And he's going to use those times where he's going to teach you patience. And he uses the circumstances in order to cut things back in your life so that the fruit of patience 
comes out. If you say, Lord, teach me to love, he's going to put people in your life who are difficult to love. Anyone can love someone who, who, who you enjoy and you enjoy their company, huh? but it's difficult sometimes to love people who rub you up the wrong way. If you say, Lord, teach me, teach me joy, he's going to give you circumstances where you're not going to depend on happiness and happenings and outward things to make you happy, but he's going to teach you to, 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 to drill into the joy of the Lord in your heart. Are, are you with me today? And we, we need to learn that, uh, that he uses pruning to bring things out in our lives. God uses pruning so that we would bear more fruit. Now, don't be too quick. Don't make too sudden decisions for pruning to take place in your life. Sometimes we need to invest in relationships. We need to take time. We, we don't need to keep changing all the time. You know, this local church is being led well. And it's being led by a team of people who are, are, are leading really well. Now, a church leader needs to have four things, need to, or need to do four things. They all start with a D. Okay? They need to give direction. They need to bring discipline and boundaries and help us with that. And discipline is a very positive thing. They need to, uh, they need to, to, to help us with, with discipline, with, uh, with direction, with doctrine, teaching us the truths of God's word, and they need to display what God is like. They need to lead by example. And the two couples that are leading this church are doing that job really, really well. You know, as you lead a church, you soon learn that you're not leading out of your ideas. You simply are leading in response to God. That's why Paul could say, follow me as I follow Christ. And it's important for us as leaders to recognize that we're not here to please people, we're here to please God. And as we please Him and we, and we serve Him, we'll treat people well, we'll love people, we'll give people grace, and we'll, we'll help people as we begin to lead them. But I think it's important for us to recognize that, uh, that in leading a church, we can't keep making sudden changes. You know, if the guy stood up and said, two weeks' time we're going to two services, and the next week they said, you know what, we've decided against this two services, we're going to go to one service. And they get up the following week and say, no, we've decided against that. We've asked a few opinions and we're not quite happy about that. So we're going to go now to three services. After a while, you're going to be so confused. You're not going to know what's going on. And uh, so we, we mustn't be involved in chopping and changing all the time. Now, if there's an area in your life that's not producing fruit today, and, uh, and, and you're saying, does that need to be chopped off in my life? Maybe there's a relationship, a friendship you have, and that friendship is just not producing fruit. Don't just chop it off straight away. We need to do what Jesus taught us to do. And if you've got your Bible, why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 13, and let's look at verse 6 through to verse 8. I, I hope you're with me today. I hope this is making sense to you. But Luke chapter 13, verse 6 to verse 8. And here Jesus tells us a parable. He tells us this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came seeking fruit on it and found none. He said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? This fig tree was taking up valuable time and resources. He was investing in this relationship. And you know, you may have, have tried hard to break through to a member of your family. You've prayed for them, you've, you've ministered to them, or perhaps you've uh, a, a next-door neighbor. 
and you've, you've been looking for fruit in that relationship, fruit for the kingdom. And we say, sometimes we get discouraged and we say, ah, it's just not working. It's taking up too much ground, too much time, too much effort, too many resources. I think I'm just going to call it quits. But listen to what the vine dresser said. He answered him, sir, leave it alone this year also and dig around it and put on manure. He says, don't just chop it down. Let's, uh, let's invest in it, invest time and effort. And let's give it a period of time. Let's put concerted effort in for a period of time. And then in verse 9 he says, And if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. And I think that sometimes we're too quick to give up on projects. We're too quick to give up on opportunities. You know, Greg and I were talking yesterday about how longevity produces great results. I heard this pastor in the United Kingdom who leads a church, it's a very big church, a church of about 1,600 people, and he's been leading this church for 25 years, same church for 25 years. And the interesting thing was this, for the first five years, they didn't grow beyond 25 people. And so often we find ourselves in a place where we say, I'm putting effort, I'm putting energy, I'm putting time, I'm putting resources into something, but I'm not seeing the fruit that I want out of this project. And sometimes we feel like we should just give up. It's taking up too much money, too much time, too much energy. It's just not worth it. Um, I should give up. And here Jesus is teaching us in this parable, don't give up. Dig around it. Spend time in prayer. Uh, spend time in that relationship. Work on it. And as you work on that, over that period of time, you could well see fruitfulness. And, uh, and sometimes we've just got to keep on at something. Don't give up too easily. Don't give up too easily. And you might be in a place where you feel like you just want to give up in an area of your life. Well, in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, the Bible says, Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. You know, that little word in the Bible, if, is a small word with huge implications in our lives. Don't give up. Just keep at it. 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 Keep on going. And it's amazing how just doing something again and again and again and again and again begins to develop momentum. In our church, in, uh, in, in St. Neots, in, in, almost said Zimbabwe, in the UK, we are... We've been working on a variety of projects for, a, for a, a period of time. We started a mothers and toddlers group, and, uh, and that's on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we've just consistently connected with people, showing kindness, connecting in with people, teaching life skills, connecting in with people on this mothers and toddlers group. It's called Puddles. And we've now been doing that for about five years. And during the school holidays every year, we have a road show where we go into the park, we put up a bouncy castle, we serve hot dogs, we do all sorts of stuff, have a craft tent and all sorts of stuff. And you know, just consistently working on this has, uh, has been a good thing over the last five years. Well, this last school holiday, we had 240 people come to the road show. It was just hugely fruitful. Uh, there's, there's just so many people that come and are engaged with this particular project. And, you know, the interesting thing is we put on alpha courses, 
We've reached out to these guys in every possible way. We've probably got, a, I think, about 150 families registered with this, this particular project coming along. And we have seen no one added to the church as a result of this as yet. But you know what? Because we're continuing with it, it's producing fruit. And the fruit that it's producing is goodwill in our town. On the 18th, when you guys are having your two services, we'll be having three services that day. The one will be our morning service. We've also got two services. We have morning and an evening service in order to facilitate more growth. And I've been asked to speak at the mayor's civic service. A door's open for us. And why do these doors open? Well, they're open because we've just consistently sown good seed, consistently stayed at it. And I want to say today, if you feel like, hey, it's just hard work and I feel like giving up because I'm not seeing fruit, I want to say, stay at it. Because as you stay at it, as you're consistent, you'll be amazed at how over a period of time, fruit will come. Now, this is going to be broadcast, I think, you know, through, uh, through Leading Lights Network. And if you're watching this by video today, and maybe you, wherever you are in the world, have started a small group in your home or at work, you're showing the videos and you are inviting people, but you're not seeing much fruit at this point. I want to encourage you today, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in doing good, because in the proper time, in the right season, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Why don't we just join hands right where we are, here at, at uh, the Lighthouse Church, and let's just pray for people who are watching this by video today. Hey? Remember, like I said, this is the branch that goes out over the wall and is producing fruit in a different sphere. Let's pray for people watching this today that they would be encouraged and strengthened where they are. Lord, we, we thank you for the people around the world who perhaps this side of eternity we will never meet. People in the Middle East who are taking risks in inviting people to come and watch videos and to connect with other Christians. We ask, Lord, even though they have seen little fruit, we thank you that because of their faithfulness and consistency, that they will see much fruit. Much fruit in individual lives. Much fruit in fruitful ministry to others. We ask that you would continue to use this church to produce a harvest, both here in Jersey and in other places of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to share my last point with you, and that's this. We must abide in the vine to bear fruit. The word abide means to remain, to continue in, or to stay, to stay steady. Don't give up, but to abide. Here Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. For us to be fruitful in the kingdom, we need to be connected to the vine. It's interesting how Jesus starts this passage by saying, I am the true vine. You know, uh, well, let's make sure that we're connected to Jesus. Religion can't help you. Ideas can't help you. And you know, if our hope is in politics, our hope is in, uh, in what laws are passed, our hope is in, in people, we're looking in the wrong place. Jeremiah 17 talks about how uh, cursed is the man who trusts in man, who make man his strength. He'll be, like a, a, he'll, he'll be like a tumbleweed that just blows about in the desert. But blessed is the man who makes the Lord his strength, whose strength is the Lord, because he will be like a tree planted by the streams who bears fruit in season. And we need to recognize that if we're connected to the true vine, to Jesus, we can produce fruit. 
It's interesting here we see in verse 4, three areas, starts in verse 4, three areas that we call to abide in, in these verses. Verse 4, we call to abide in Jesus. This talks to me about a personal relationship with Jesus. You know, we're not just following the teachings of a person, we're following the person who gave those teachings. We have a relationship with him. I love the way that Paul says to Timothy, um, we know in whom we have believed. Not in what we have believed, but in whom we have believed. We have a relationship with Jesus. Okay? The second thing we should abide in is in verse 7. We should abide in his word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You know, the, 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 the best thing you can do is to get the scriptures into your heart. I started in ministry when I was about 19 years old. I'd finished Bible school, and I was involved in a traveling ministry, traveling all around southern and central Africa. And I went from just being a normal 19-year-old to sleeping in a different bed almost every night, constantly in different places. I'd either be in Johannesburg, in Santon, in a fancy, fancy place, and a really cool place, or I'd be in the middle of Botswana, in a, in, a, in a hut with, um, sleeping on the floor with a, with a, a kudu, an antelope, um, hanging from the roof, dripping blood on my sleeping bag. It was just a time of contrast. You know what happened? I lost my peace. On the inside, I felt unsettled. And I realized that I needed something to give me peace. So what I did is I got scriptures from the Bible, or what the Bible says about peace. I got them all out and I began to meditate on those verses. I began to take those promises and make them mine. And as I spent time meditating on those verses, thinking through those verses, praying over those verses, you know what happened? It started to produce a harvest on the inside. Those seeds began to produce something on the inside. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I knew exactly what to do. You know what I did? I went home and I got scriptures out of the Bible that gave me promises about healing. I went for surgery, I went for the radiotherapy, I, I, I did all of that, but I recognized that there's a great physician on the job too, and his name is Jesus. And I went and I got his promises, and I started to meditate on those promises. I took it like medicine, three times a day, morning, breakfast, midday with lunch, and with my supper in the evening. And I got those scriptures and I began to meditate on them. And you know what? God's word produces faith in our hearts. It gives us hope. And we need to abide in his word and let him abide in us. Spend time in his word. If we want to be fruitful, we've got to get into the Bible and get the Bible into us. Okay? And then number three, he says, abide in my love in verse 9. Abide in me, abide in my word, and abide in my love. During our worship today, we had an awesome time of worship and then Greg got up and he, uh, he prayed a prayer and basically during his prayer he felt the Lord prompt him for someone that, uh, that God wants you to know that you are loved. You know, I love the way that John describes himself. John says of himself, I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. He doesn't refer to himself in the Bible. He doesn't say, and John was also there. I was there was me. No, he said, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. He recognized that if it was, I love Jesus, it could have been to his credit. But he recognized that he actually was loved by God. Awesome. And that's you. 
Jesus loves you, and he wants you to walk in his love, to abide in his love, to rest in his love. During the prayer meeting today, before the service, and you know that's so important for us to gather together to pray, and I know that everyone is invited. You perhaps, because of your family and other commitments, had to pray on your way here. But in the prayer meeting, somebody shared with us that, or they prayed this out, Lord, help us not just to work for you, but to build our relationship with you. So that our ministries are an overflow of our relationship with you. You know, when you, when you recognize that I'm loved by Jesus, that begins to shine out from you to other people. He wants us to abide in his love. God wants you and I to experience that. You know how we experience that? Is by being a part of a local church. Where we come and together, corporately, we worship Jesus and lift him up where we corporately are, are, are fed a diet from God's word and his word begins to abide in us. And where we together can experience his love. The Bible says in Psalm 92 that we should be planted in the house of the Lord and flourish in the courts of our God because then we will still bear fruit in old age. We'll be ever full of sap and green. God wants us to be in a place where we grow. I want to ask you today, are you fruitful in your life at the moment? Are you seeing the fruit of the Holy Spirit displayed in your life? You know, there's seasons where we see growth and we see fruitfulness in our lives. And then sometimes we feel like things are not quite working out and it feels like we've been cut back 70% in our lives. We look at our lives and we think, I just feel like there's so many challenges. I'm seeing stuff in God's word. I'm being challenged by circumstances around me. And we need to recognize that actually that pruning back produces growth in our lives. It's in those seasons that we actually grow. You know, you don't grow in leadership by reading books. That contributes to it. You don't grow by listening to podcasts. You grow by serving. You grow by taking responsibility. You grow by doing something. <coughs> I think it's important for us to recognize that. The pruning enables us to grow. Let's not reject it, but let's welcome it. James chapter 1. Do not uh, count tests and trials in your life as intruders, the Bible says, but welcome those tests and trials as friends because we know that they produce patience, they produce character, they help us grow. But you know, for us to continue bearing fruit, for us to be in a place where we are fruitful, it comes from us being vitally connected to the vine. In verse 7 of that same passage, it talks about how if a branch is cut off, it withers. You know, if we find ourselves in a place where we're not in fellowship with other believers, where we're not connecting with other believers, what begins to happen is we can begin to wither. Now, I know that our relationship with God is personal. We need to have a personal relationship with God. But we also need to be connected with other believers that we can encourage one another and spur one another on for love and good deeds. I feel for somebody here today, perhaps you're saying, you know, I'm not getting as much out of the church as I was before. Well, that shows that there's a change in season in your life. Don't just come for what you can get out of it. Come for what you can give to others. And you'll find as you begin to give, you begin to unlock something in your life, 
and suddenly there'll become a greater fruitfulness in your life. Uh, there's an outstanding book here that's been written by Greg. I just sort of skimmed over it, and I'm looking forward to reading it, called Shine, Sharing Your Faith in Jesus. And now, I don't know if this is available on, on the Leading Lights website, but um, outstanding stuff. Just very simple, uncomplicated on how you can share your relationship with God. And you know, it starts off with Philemon, or Philemon, chapter 1, verse 6. And Paul praying, he says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that you have in, the, in, in Christ. Basically, that verse, Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6 says, as we share with others, we discover what we have in Christ. And I think that what God wants us to do is to recognize that we have a part to play. And we want to thank you for the part that you play in this church. And uh, every single one of us have a part to play. I think there's a great opportunity, like I said, with the two services coming up, for you to be involved. And I know that on the back, on the left-hand side there, there's opportunities to sign up for all sorts of areas of ministry where you can get involved. You can be a part of what's happening in the life of this church. You know, sometimes we don't feel like we belong until we get involved. And as we get involved and we begin to serve others, we grow and we suddenly realize that God has knit us into this church family. God has great things in store for you. He really does. Abide in Him. Abide in His Word. And let's abide in His love. Let's bow ahead and let's pray. And uh, then I'm going to hand over to Greg. <coughs> Thank you, Lord, for Your Word. Thank you that Your Word is so rich. And it gives us life. And it also gives us hope and perspective. And I pray that today, for some people, that the lights would come on. That this would be a resetting in their lives. That things that have distracted them from a vital relationship with you would no longer distract them. That they would make a decision for themselves to abide in you. To abide in your word. To abide in your love. Thank you for the seasons of pruning that take place in our lives. And sometimes we feel like maybe we've done something wrong, but it's because we've borne fruit that you prune us in order that we may bear more fruit. And I thank you, Lord, that for every single person here today, that in seasons of pruning, that you change us, you cause us to grow and to become more like you. And I pray that this season, this term coming up, would be a term of great fruitfulness. I pray for everything that this local church is going to be involved in. And I pray that they would bear more fruit, much fruit, and lasting fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.